open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 2, and I want to talk to you this morning about were the angels right? Those angels, can't trust them. So a couple of, uh, couple of comments, there have been some questions. Um, we, we do everything around here, um, most things. I guess I should say it that way. Most things around here based on your time and uh, burden and availability, etc. So the building gets cleaned because people volunteer to clean it. There were snacks that were brought in this morning because people signed up to do that and they, and they, and they brought that in. We do the same with almost everything unless it's something that's beyond our expertise. Um, you know, we're... We're having carpet installed because it's just too big a job for us. So the carpet installer will come. That's why all the tables are out right now. But and all of that will happen in the future. But for the most part, we do everything for volunteers. And we and so thank you for all your work. I think that's the way it should be. Um, I think it's unfortunate that. Well, I, I'm not. I'm just not going to go into that. But but. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, in all of this. Now, some have asked, where, where are that we haven't had videos for a few weeks? And so let me just tell you two, two reasons. One, there was a, a time in there when Elijah, who does this, was too busy to upload them because it takes several hours during the week, and they had a big thing going on at, at work, and he, he just couldn't get it done. Now, the way things are with the tables, it's just we, we don't have a good camera angle. And uh, we haven't felt the need in the Lord to invest in, you know, the uh, a boom camera or anything, you know, of that nature. One of those on a wire, so it could be like an NFL game. We, you know, we we just we're not going to do that. So uh, all of the all of the messages are still recorded and uploaded. You can go to LakeviewHamilton.com. Look at resources, and you'll see messages on there, and you can you can download them. If you have a, a podcast app, you can actually subscribe and, and get them each week. So um, just wanted to let that be known. Also, we have a new microphone here. I'm, yes. I'm assuming it's off. Is that correct, Andy? All right. That will help because I just know I'm going to smack it. I mean, look at it. It's right there. So, all right. Luke chapter 2. I did all that talking. I thought I had this open here. I guess I didn't. Were the angels right? Um, we're going to take some time this morning. The next two Sundays, our meetings will be abbreviated. They will start at 10 and be done at 11. We won't do a lot of things. Most of that time, we're going to be um, singing and uh, we'll do scripture reading and, and some other things, but... but um, we won't have time for in-depth with, with our messages. But I do want to take some time to talk to you this morning um, and just contemplate about some things that maybe aren't thought a lot about a lot when we deal with the Christmas story. It says in verse 8, Now in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great Fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, it says, and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, excuse me, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now that last sentence is going to be the focus of what we're going to talk about today. And there is some implication about with whom he is pleased. I think that will kind of fall into place as we, as we move through this. We, uh, at least in this, in this, in our culture, and especially here in the northern climes, we always, at least I do, maybe you don't, but I, I think that there's kind of this perception that Christmas is this peaceful time and we, and we all, you know, want a white Christmas and we, we, you know, we want to look out the window and see the snow silently falling gently, covering the earth and making everything quiet. <laughs> we don't want to look out the window and see the snow blowing sideways. That's usually not a good sign for us. Um, nor do we want to look out the window and, and see the little ping, ping, ping of sleet against it. Kind of messes up the picture. We, we, uh, uh, perhaps our perception is a bit slanted and maybe it's our creation. And, you know, we sing Silent Night, all is calm, all is bright. And, uh, you know, I've, if, if you have a, uh, we don't do it here because of kind of protecting your schedule, but if we had a Christmas Eve gathering, that's how we would close it, wouldn't it? We'd sing Silent Night. Um, so, and then we sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. And I, I don't know about you, but I picture the Christmas card. There's the little town. There's the star. It's all still. Nothing's moving. And then not to, not to uh, get too culturally mixed up here, but not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. So we, we kind of think about that at Christmas time, and I think one of the things that we zero in here is these, these angels and those shepherds and that heavenly host saying, peace, goodwill to men. Yet Jesus did not enter into a world of peace, and he did not leave a world of peace. Now I want to talk to you briefly about what this peace is. So we're going to look at some scripture quickly, and I'm not going to read all these verses. I'll give I'll give them all to you. Some of them we'll turn to, some of them we won't. Isaiah chapter nine, verse seven, and a famous passage, Christmas passage. But that verse very specifically says that of his government and of his peace there will be no end. Now you notice the passage that we read here has to do with the city of David and a Savior who is Christ, or that's the the, Greek, the Hellenized form of the word Messiah, the Lord, and that he would be um, a Savior. And elsewhere we find out that he's 
that he's a king. You know, the, the wise men came looking for the king, and there's connections there to the throne, throne of David. He will have a kingdom. And in Isaiah 9, it says that his government and his peace, there'll be no end. I'm going to, we'll read some of these now. We'll get to Acts chapter 10. Let's go there and read. And uh, I'll read a little bit of it. We'll move into the New Testament for a while. This is Peter's first sermon to Gentiles. And if you're familiar with the story, Peter was hungry and had a vision of all of these animals coming down and God saying, kill and eat. And Peter said, I can't eat anything that's not unclean. And that happened three times. And then the Gentiles knocked on the door and said, Peter, come and share the gospel with us. And he went to them. And that, that's where we are in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. He's getting ready to share the gospel. He says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him, and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of what? Peace. Through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who are, who, who are and drank with him, excuse me, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So I'm not going to explain all that, but, but while he was preaching this story to them about this gospel, good news to them, that story about Jesus coming, living a perfect life, and being crucified... As he got to that particular point, they, they all became believers. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as it, as it did on them. I want you to notice that he talks about bringing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And then toward the end of the passage, he talks about him that, that Jesus, I'll, I'll read the verse again, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So we're, go- we're back to this kingdom sort of thing here again, where Jesus is going to rule, and I-, I can't give you all of the references to this. There are very interesting things about his rule if you read them in the prophets and in the, and in the book of the Revelation. But Jesus will be rule, and, and this good news was a good news of peace. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's go on to the next scripture here. I've got just a few of these, but I, I want to make sure we understand what he's talking about here. This is very simple, it's very plain, and it's kind of a proof text about peace that probably everyone should remember. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and he's referring to chapter 4 when he says therefore, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, 
Um, without, again, digging too deep into all of this, there's peace with God. There's peace from God. There is the peace of God, which is probably what comes from God. The most important thing, though, is peace with God. That's based, all of it is, but that is essentially based upon the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, if I would continue on, let me go on. Uh, I'll read on verse 4. I'll just read all of it. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have peace with God through Jesus Christ but in, the, but in just a couple sentences later, he talks about our suffering. And then he talks about how that suffering produces hope. So hang on to all that. And we'll come back to talk about some of it here a little bit later. Colossians chapter 1. So we're moving through Scripture here. Verse 15. I'm going to read several verses. It says, So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By the way, to all my Jehovah's Witnesses, friends out there, that word can also be translated origin. He is the, you can translate that better if you say he is the origin of all creation. He's not the first thing God created. He's the source of it. And we've got other scriptures that back that up. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be Preeminent, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. What caused this peace to happen? What caused this peace was that Jesus Christ paid for our sin, She has a gong. Hey, kiddo. Don't do that. All right, that's my granddaughter. No, she's not gone. I can still hear her. She's just under there. So, um, what was I saying? Peace, yeah. Thank you, that helps a lot. I guess I'll have to start over. 
So he, he, he bought this peace for us by dying on the cross. I think that's where I was. By dying on the cross and paying for our sins so that we could have peace with God. We could be reconciled to God. Um, let's go back and we'll look at one other Old Testament scripture and then we're going to talk about another application of this. Isaiah chapter 53 I won't read all of this for the sake of time, but verse 4 says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed his chastisement brought us peace Um, we have peace because that which made us enemies of God God's holiness and righteousness and justice was incompatible with our sin. And Jesus Christ died so that we could have peace with God through His substitutionary death. His sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, paid the price of our sins, moved us from under the earned and righteous wrath of God. So, and there's all kinds of scriptures here, and, and um, that you 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 know them probably. And if you looked at them, if, if or if you read further, you'll see them. As you read as you read through, you'll find them. That that's that's why we can cry, Abba, Father. That's why in other places it talks about him, which we, I think we read, talked about him being firstborn among many brethren, that we're actually heirs of God with him. That we've been brought into adoption, into, into, the, into his family because of what he has done. We're no longer estranged, we're no longer under wrath, we're no longer under judgment. We have peace with God. We not only have peace, we have an advocate. And again, there's more here that, can, that I can deal with this morning to, to, and get through everything else, but we, we we have an advocate. He sent His Holy Spirit to be a comforter in us, to guide and direct. And you know that's what we were talking about. When we talked about the offering. You know, um, obey the Lord, do what the Lord has prompted you to do. Seek Him and do what He does. The Holy Spirit does that. He's our He's our comforter. He's with us. We have He's He's a Paraclete or a comforter. We have an advocate that if we sin. John tells us we have a sin. He's there. He's our advocate. He, and, and Hebrews says he ever lives to make what? Intercession for us. Romans says if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We have all of this. So we have this peace with God. We now have a relationship with God. And we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. Not because of what we do. Not because we're right. Not because we're holy. Because we never can be. 
So when we ask the question, were the angels right? You know, in bringing great uh, tidings of good joy and, and that there will be peace. Well, there isn't peace. There can be peace, but there isn't peace. As I said earlier, Jesus did not enter a world of peace and he didn't, he didn't leave a world of peace. There's a peace now. That's why I wanted to make sure we read it specifically that, that we, Paul talked about suffering. That there's suffering in this world. Now let me just um, move on here and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this and talk some more about this again. But we can have this peace with God, relationship with God, regardless of what goes on out here in the world. You can have peace with God if, if your furnace blows up. If you do a Mythbusters and send your water heater through the roof of your house, okay, if you haven't seen that, that's a great one to watch, okay? <laughs> Floyd says yes, okay? You can still have peace with God. You may have a hole in your roof, but you can have peace with God. And we'll, we'll talk more about this. So I, I, want, I want us to just stop and think for a minute um, uh, about the Christmas story. That Think about what was going on there. Think about the, the hardships of traveling. Um, think about the news that came to Mary and then came to Joseph that changed their whole lives. Whatever they thought was going to happen, which, which had happened in their families, both of their families, for generations... They were, they were betrothed, they were going to get married, they were going to be, you know, they were, they were going to have a trade or be in business, and somehow they, they were, it, it, Joseph was apparently, uh, was a builder. We, we say carpenter, but the, he probably built with stones if he, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of wood. So he, he was, he was, he, he was going to do that, and, and, and that's the way it was going to be there, have kids, you know, and, 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 but now all of a sudden, no, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's not going to happen. Joseph thought his wife was unfaithful because he found out she was pregnant and he didn't know anything about it. How's that for a sleepless night for you? And the Bible says he pondered all this and he said, I'll just, I'll just, think about that folks. I'll just end this relationship quietly because I don't want to publicly shame her. They had an arbitrary government they lived under. Some dude says, hey, we want a census, so everybody go to the city of your ancestors, you know, your ancestral home. And, and so Joseph, being of the tribe of David, wonderful, God, can't talk about that, but it's just wonderful. You, you, go, to, you go to Bethlehem. All right, so we're going to go there, David's. And, and, and that's where they were. Just, just a whim, you know, we're going to have a census, and so everybody's lives are disrupted because of the whim of the government. When you read further in the Christmas story, you find out that there was a complicit and corrupt, sold out theologians. Who when the king said, tell us where the Messiah is going to be born. Remember the wise men came and said, we're, we're here to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the capital of the area. We're here to Jerusalem. We want to, we want to worship him who was born king of the Jews. I've often thought, thought about how politically inept that statement was. If you go to the reigning king and say, uh, "We're here. Where's your son? You know, do you have a son?" I mean, think about how uncomfortable that was. Well, no. Why are you saying that? Well, we saw a star. We know the king of the Jews has been born. 
So when, when Herod went to the priests, they told him, they said, well, he'll be born in Bethlehem. And then they quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you know, but thou Bethlehem, though thou art small among the seas of Judah, out of you shall rise. And so we, we, we know that story. They knew that verse. They pointed out to him, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Herod asks, they deliver. You say, well, they didn't know what was going on. Oh, yes, they did, because the Bible tells us very explicitly that when those wise men came looking for the king of the Jews, the whole city was in an uproar. And then you've got a selfish, cruel, murderous political leader like Herod who kills all the babies. Again, we, knew, we know that story. Say peace. What soldier goes to that area and kills a child under the age of two? Two and under. What were those soldiers told? You know, here's the reason for you doing this. Were they given a reason? Were they just told to do it and not given a reason? I don't, I don't, I don't know. What goes on in their hearts? What goes on in their, in their minds as, as they're thinking about this? And then, and then, of course, they had to flee. They were told, they were told to flee, so, so they left. They were in Egypt, and then an angel came. Now, folks, ponder all this with me for just a second. An angel came and said, you can go back now because the one who wanted to kill your child is dead. So good news, that guy's dead. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting concept. Peace on earth. And even when they went back, if you follow the story carefully, they started to go back one place and they couldn't because they found out that the person who was in that place was not congenial to them, so they went to Nazareth and lived. Of course, that was according to Scripture. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, I'm going to continue on with this kind of theme here for just a second. In Matthew 10, 34, he says, He didn't come to bring peace, but what? A sword. Jesus said He came to turn family members against one another. Jesus, during His ministry, had conflict with the Pharisees. He had conflict with the Sadducees. And the greatest conflict of all, He had conflict with the devil himself. And we read about His testing in the, in the wilderness. Now, that was all part of God's plan, of course, you know. That's why the Bible can say about Jesus that He was tested in all ways, as are we, and yet, what? Without sin. But I, I just I just want you to see that this thing, peace on earth, is not what we think it is. The peace that God was providing for us was a peace with Him through the blood sacrifice of His Son. So He says, "There's the good news is that there's peace on earth and goodwill. God has goodwill, not just all men." but basically towards his men. 
And eventually, they killed Jesus with an unjust, an unjust trial. And, I, you know, I know Bible scholars go through and they say all the reasons that trial was unjust, you know, and it was at nighttime and didn't have the, the whole council wasn't there and all these other things. But, but just stop and think about it, folks. When you get to the bottom line, how can, how can any trial find guilty a man who is sinless? I mean, probably any one of us could be arrested falsely and we could be taken before court and charged with something we didn't do. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, folks, underneath it, we're guilty of something. We may not be guilty of what they say, but we are guilty of something. It didn't matter what they say of him. He wasn't guilty. The trial had to be unjust. And that should show us right there that God's system of justice is different than ours. And justness is, God's justice is not affected by this world. God's justice is just. And it's not reflected adequately in this broken world in which we live. Has it ever occurred to you that every miracle that Jesus did was a conflict? That when he made the blind see, or raised the dead, or calmed the storm, or cast out a demon, when when he he fed five thousand hungry people, that in all of that he was exerting the energy of God onto a broken world, and he was putting right what was wrong. That all of it was a conflict. It's interesting that you can read the passages in Scripture. I just was listening to one the other day where the disciples said something. Well, actually, what they said was, because they didn't understand the kingdom. I can't get into all that today, but they didn't understand the kingdom, and they thought Jesus was going to be king. A lot of unrighteous people over there. And when you read the Old Testament, you find out that when the king does come, and by the way, when you read the end of the New Testament, same story, that when the king does come, he puts things right. He destroys his enemies. But those guys having, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, having not yet read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <laughs> or Galatians, Ephesians, or the book of the Revelation, since they hadn't read that yet, they didn't know that. And they said, Jesus, you're going to establish your kingdom. And, and a couple of them said, let's, let's call fire down on, on Samaria out here. And the Bible says, Jesus rebuked them sharply. Now, I've got a bad imagination, but I just wonder what he said to them. It doesn't give us his exact words. Did he say, sit down and shut up? Or, you know, you guys are idiots. I I don't know what he said. He just, but he rebuked them. Look, there was conflict with his, there was, even his own disciples fought amongst themselves and Jesus had to be the peacemaker and he had to rebuke them. They, they deserted him almost to the man. One of them denied him and one of them 
betrayed him. His entire life was a life of conflict and warfare. Second Peter chapter 2. Is my mic still working? All right. It, the sound changed up here. Second Peter chapter two, verse one. I, I want to read. A, I, I want to read a few verses. Please, kind of read, follow along with me, or listen if you can. But listen to the tone of what's going on here. But false prophets also arose among the people. Now. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So that you understand this, this is, this is post-cross, this is post-resurrection, this is post-church. Peter is writing to church people. Verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the whole world of the ungodly, if by the turnings if if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gore to ashes he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual contact of the wicked, for for as that righteous man lived among them day after day he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the, the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Hmm. So, there's a whole theme there of judgment and, and of making things right and of being tormented and then there's promise the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and he gives those examples that were there now turn back with me to First Peter and I'll share just one more thing here and then we'll we'll call this enough First Peter chapter four. Let me read to you once again a few more verses and kind of pick up the pick up the theme of what he's saying here. <clears throat> Beloved, verse twelve. <clears throat> do not be surprised at the fiery trial. <clears throat> excuse me. When it comes upon you, as to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 
I'll, uh, I'll stop there and we're going to read some more here. But he, he, don't think it's strange when the fire truck comes. We think peace on earth, goodwill to men. And that's, that's kind of what our focus is on Christmas. And uh, now, folks, that does affect people. As a matter of fact, if we take this to our heart, if, if we really stop and think, I've got peace with God, then my sin is taken. Then, then I, I'm not in competition with people. I don't have to be better than somebody else. God, God loves me the way I am. God's, God has saved me and provided everything I need. And, and I don't have to be in competition with somebody else. And all of a sudden, my world gets reprioritized and, and things get put on a, more, on a more level ground. And there can be a culture of peace that's built on that. It isn't just at Christmas time, but there can be a culture of peace that's built on that. And at Christmas time, we can be reminded of that, and that's good. 1914, a peace broke out in the trenches of World War I. August of 1914 was one of the bloodiest um, months in the history of the world. And on Christmas Eve, because both sides were singing what I mentioned earlier, Silent Night, one side across the way singing Steely Knocked, the other side over here singing silent night there was a Christmas truce the following year the officers punished them if they tried to do it but peace broke out Hmm. chapter 5 humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God this is verse 6 so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are to be experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says, you be humble under God. There's going to be difficulties that come, and you've got an enemy out here, and you're to resist him. Folks, what are we talking about? We're talking about conflict. Conflict. The Apostle Paul talked about wrestling with spiritual powers. You know, that was in the, in the Greek world, everybody knew what that meant. It's not the wrestling, that, <laughs> it's not the kind of wrestling we have now where people hop over the ropes and, and uh, throw somebody off of the, throw somebody out into the crowd. Those kind of wrestling matches would go on for hours where someone would get somebody in a hold and this guy wouldn't give and that guy wouldn't give and it waited for one of them to weaken. It's 
So he, he talks about this conflict and he says, you resist him. And he says, this kind of suffering is going on all across the world. But he's faithful. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When we have a relationship with that Father, peace with Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, it's the only way to have it. It's by recognizing that Jesus died on that cross for us, for me. By realizing that he paid the price for my sin, that it was my sin that he died for, my sin hung him there. And when we, when we realize that, when the Lord through His grace, that clicks over in, in our minds and we repent of who we were and yield our broken, worthless selves to Him, we get His peace. We get peace with God. And peace with God can give to us peace in all sorts of other circumstances. Even though we, you know, we, we have this wonderful, stylized picture of peace. We can have peace when there is no gentle snow, when there is no silent night, when there is no little town of Bethlehem. We can have peace in the midst of tumult and struggle and hassle and conflict. Because He is our peace. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the... I I thank you specifically for the culture that I grew up in that was based upon a Christianity that pointed to the birth of a Savior who brought peace to men. Not just this external lack of struggle but brought a peace from you that superseded all of the struggle that went on because Lord we know the struggles haven't ceased they're still there but your peace that passes understanding that comes from peace with you because of the sacrifice of your son is greater than all the struggles and in the end the glory that we receive will far outweigh all the suffering and persecution and hassles and difficulties here. Help us fight the fight and run the race for the crown that's set before us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.